Welcome everyone to another episode of Tugu Portuguese. My name is Angela Simoz and I'm super excited to be talking to our guest today about a summer camp that happens in California that I so wish had existed when I was around. But before we jump into that, let's welcome our guests. We have Joanne Malta-Weingard and Gary Resendez. Welcome, Joanne and Gary. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. So we'll have each of you just give a little bit of your background on kind of where you were born and raised, and then your involvement in the Portuguese community, and then we can jump into the summer camp. So, Joanne, let's have you go first. Okay. My name is Joanne Malta Weingart. Finally got married and, and ended up with this Weingart name, but I am <laughs> from California, and uh, my parents were from the mainland, Portugal, and also from Madeira. And I'm a retired teacher and administrator. I've been involved in the Portuguese community for basically most of my adult life, teaching Portuguese in bilingual programs and working with kids through the Loose American Education Foundation and other organizations. But our big, my big project with the Portuguese community has been the Loose American Education Foundation Summer Youth Camp. It's a cultural camp that we have done now for uh, well, it started in 1998, but this would be our 25th year this year if it hadn't been for COVID. So we've done the camp for 23, 22 years, I guess, 22 years. And um, the camp is for teenagers and high school kids. And basically, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, my whole life has been working with Portuguese American kids. And, and it's the soul of my whole life. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I, yes, I can, when I think of you, I think of education programs and schools and stuff. So yes, you certainly have committed your life to making sure that our kids still can speak Portuguese. So thank you for your service. <laughs> uh, Gary. Yeah. So I'm Gary um, Resendez. I grew up basically at Sage in the Bay area, California, but more specifically Sunnyvale. And so as far as being a part of Portuguese communities growing up, really the Santa Clara and San Jose Portuguese communities and halls and, and a little bit of Mountain View too was definitely the halls, you know, with the festas that I would go to every year since probably before I can remember, but was still born. And nowadays I live in Santa Cruz though, so not too far away. Um, and I'm definitely less involved than I was growing up it just by geographic distance. Um, and I danced Portuguese folklore and the Luso-American Fraternal Federation and was part of um, their boards growing up and was um, the youth president back in 2008, um, which doesn't feel as long ago to me as that sounds out loud. Um, and so that's, that's I'd say, my primary um, involvement in Portuguese-American communities growing up. And nowadays, it's more limited, but definitely where I put, you know, the energy that I can and time is on the Luso American Education Foundation board, which is not everyone on the board, but that's basically the um, the committee and the organization that puts on the summer camp that Joan was talking about that we'll go into further, I'm sure. Awesome. And I do remember when you were state youth president for Luso, so <laughs> it wasn't doesn't seem that long ago for me. Um, not too long ago, okay. right? Right, right. Joanne, you said that the camp started in 1998, which I actually didn't know. I thought it had been around for longer than that. And so give us an idea, give us, you know, the picture of like 
how did it get started? What was the impetus? Because, you know, I didn't grow up in other communities in other states, but I have never, I haven't heard of any other summer camp that does this, right? It's a week long, like immersion of things Portuguese for youngsters, which is amazing. So how did it get started? Well, the foundation had talked about it for many, many years, and it just took someone to just come to the plate and say, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to get it started. And that happened with Billy Gonzalez, who was on our board, who was a teacher and a principal in Oakland. And he decided that we would do that first camp. Uh, we tried the year before we had tried to do like a one night kind of get together at Cal State Hayward. But our, our big full blown camp happened in 1998. We went to University of California at Santa Cruz, and it was mm-hmm. a five-day camp, kind of like what we do now, and we decided that we would just run with it. We had 20 students, campers, that first year. This year, we had 41, but we've had up to 74 campers. It is- Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so it started back then, and it started mostly with board members that helped. It's, it's basically a volunteer camp until previously- no one got paid any money. We do give a stipend to our to our mentors, our counselors, and we do have some paid staff, which is not necessarily a salary. Again, it's also a stipend, but it's mm-hmm. always volunteer, and we've used the community to do the workshops. People that were basically in education and, mm-hmm. and also in career fields that were interesting to students. Uh, we began the camp originally um, because some not not we can't say many, but many. Many of the Portuguese American uh, students in the community were not going on to four-year colleges, even in 1968. They came from families that had businesses, and they could take over the businesses, and they did well. And so they would go to a community college, but they never were really going into all these majors that would help them in business and in other areas, even in their private family companies. So we decided that we would every year rotate the camps and go to a different university. So most summer camps are done at the same place every year, same university, can be a sports mm-hmm. camp, whatever. And our, our camps, we go to a different university every single year. So we start from scratch, which means that when we go to these different communities, we get people from the community then to come and do mm-hmm. the workshops. So we have new faces and we always have different workshops going on. Our workshops our summer repetitive, we do art workshops every year and stuff, but basically it started way back then. It started with teachers. And I know that I was involved the first year. Uh, my kids went to camp. They were younger, but they got to go that first year. They were 12 years old and they went and that's how I kind of got involved with it. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about going to different universities is that let's say you know, a camper attends multiple years, they're getting exposed to different universities and different university settings, right? Which can also help them think about the kind of college they want to go to. So I think that's a great element to it as well. And it helps Um, us too, because we get those same kids coming back and they have, they they develop new friends. They want to come back and be with their friends. mm -hmm. They want to learn more about certain different cultures of their families from the Azores. They get to learn about different other geographical areas, Madeira, mainland Portugal. We've had kids that come from Brazil, the diaspora. Now our camp used to be more just continental Portugal and the islands, but now our camp, the diaspora has grown a lot more. We have kids mm-hmm. that come to our camp that are from families from Macau because they speak Portuguese. Oh, cool. Yeah. Portuguese. We get lots of kids, lots of kids really from Macau. We get kids from Brazil. 
We've had, we do workshops on, you know, Cape Verde and Africa. This year we had lots of workshops, you know, on, on Brazilian martial arts that we'll talk about a little later and stuff. So they, they get to come back and they want to come back every year. I mean, we, we, this year we had to put a cut. We decided we weren't going to take more than 50 students. And so we yeah. we're just starting up again after COVID. As again, yeah. we're mostly volunteers that run this. And some of us are getting older. So it's nice to get this new blood that's coming in. And so, Gary, did you attend the camp? And then what made you get involved? Because I know you're younger than me. And so it's always nice to see young people get involved and uh, help to continue on these, these great events. So how did you get involved? Yeah, definitely. I got involved first by being a camper. I couldn't tell you the exact year, um, but it was probably 2003, 2004. So just like the basically beginning of my high school career, um, maybe that summer before. And I'm pretty positive, yeah, since then, I've either attended the camp as a camper or as a volunteer or done like one workshop or had the time to, you know, really support and be there all the days. I think may, maybe a year, maybe two, like since 2004-ish, um, I, I may have missed one or two camps, but for the most part have been involved doing something. And the reason for that definitely is just because I really enjoyed the camp and it really it really helps me quite a bit in terms of you know exploring and learning more about and just feeling connected to being Portuguese as well as learning about college application process and what college life might be like and to get a, a taste mm -hmm. of it. And um, very similar to what you said, I got to go to, you know, about four, five different um, universities or colleges and check them out and get some tours that were more intimate than just your typical campus tour. And so I never really went on like, you know, that that road trip drive with my parents to look at a few colleges because I had that experience from this camp. Mm -hmm. um, so it really did quite a bit for me. And that's what made me feel, you know, passionate about helping out and then being a mentor and then kind of like, co-coordinator and help co-directing the camp and such mm -hmm. and anything was, he really his first camp was i believe it was stanford university and his father was already helping out at camp quite a bit because he was on the board too and so you know we we'd get our kids to come and and they they really just flourished at it i mean and they're there are leaders i mean gary's going to be taking over the camp next year so that's why we invited him today to talk with us because amazing he, gary Thank you for doing that. Congratulations. Yes, he said that he'll be the director. And so, you know, I've, I've been years trying to retire. And I'm just very excited to get this new blood because we obviously need the younger generation in. And Gary, I, even when he was a junior mentor, we asked him to drive once kids because he, he was 18 already because we just didn't have enough mentors. And he's just been a leader for years and years at camp. And, he's, and he has a, a background now in working with children, you know, he works at, at, at a school and he just is the perfect match with all the experience that we need to have a new person come join us as the boss. So we're really excited about it. That's amazing, Gary. Thank you for, for taking over. That's that's so great. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So can you, so I have so many questions or things that I want to make sure we cover about the camp. Can you give examples of you know, things that you will do throughout the week, you know, do you identify, okay, our theme this year is going to be this. And so you structure activities that way, because 
you know, I know you've had like uh, Azaleju painting lessons and then you do like folklore dancing and then you do other activities. So how do you determine what you're going to do? Well, we, we have planning committee meetings for sometimes a year before camp. And then we decide where we're going to go. And that kind of helps to decide on the theme of camp because we need to find more people that are really skilled in some of the areas that we need to have workshop presenters present their workshops. So this year we decided it was coming back to our roots, Procura de Reisish, because we hadn't done it. You know, really, this was, this was the fourth year, so we finally did camp. So we decided to do that. Many of our campers are second, third, fourth generation. So we don't necessarily focus on language where they're speaking. We focus on cultural aspects more on camp now, especially over okay. the last 10 years, because we don't have that many immigrants coming now. And some kids go to Portuguese school, but it's only once a week. So they haven't really developed a, a real conversational skill. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and you know, you know, you know how that is. And so yeah. um, we 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 really focus on the cultural aspects of camp and we focus on university activities. You want to talk about that, Gary? Some of the things that we did? Yeah, sure. And I just add, I mean, everything where you're saying about the language is absolutely true. But for several years, we did have like some sessions on teaching a little bit of Portuguese, um, even though you know the language ability really varied across all the youth, but having them at least you know, saying the words out loud, como te chamas, or como estás, and just like, you know, feeling what that what that sounds like coming out of their mouth and, and learning it a little bit. It's obviously a week-long camp. They're not going to go away, most of them, even remembering that or knowing, you know, remembering how to write it or that sort of thing. But they have that experience of engaging with it at least. Mm -hmm. um, so they do get a little bit of that, that language because that part is so important, right? But so hard to teach. Um, and, and they get that through, we do a lot of music. And a lot of folk dancing and a lot yeah. of know those songs just because they memorize them from going to the festish. Because even though they're not <laughs> Portuguese, they still attend festish and they know all about it. And and really one of the things we focused on this year was we had we, we try to get people that, that are a little younger in age that kids will really identify with. And we got we had David come, David, you know, Fuleda uh Garcia. Yeah, he came and he did a whole thing on all the different shamaritas in the Azores. And then they got oh cool. And this year we we had four only four boys at camp, so it was mostly a girl. <laughs> but, well, it just happens. Sometimes they get more boys. Usually we have more half and half. A lot of boys this year had to go to summer school, so they dropped out. We had eight kids drop out, eight boys drop out. So the thing is, is when so, but they dance together, and you know that's just how festers are. That's what they do in Portugal too. So you know, yeah, old times they would just dance together, and it was it was a hit. And they really the words and stuff become much more important to them through songs. Mm -hmm. And so you also do things like because I have presented at the camp a couple of times, and I remember one time it was you know dressing professionally, and then another time it was. I think I was actually talking about where I was working because we had a, I think a little reception in, at Autodesk, which is where I was working. So you also address, and I, you had mentioned this earlier, Gary, like how to apply for college and I guess what it's like to try and look for a job. So how do you, what kinds of sessions like that have you found to be most useful, most well-received, that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay what you're saying, you know, and each year it's kind of just, we sort of think about and decide like what strengths the people volunteering have or people in the communities, the college that we're at. 
So we've had like career panels, which I think that's one of the ones uh, mm -hmm. you're you were on. So giving the youth a chance to see Portuguese American professionals, you know, the beginning or well into their careers and like what that would look like post-college, but then also looking at actual like college application, you know, the process of it, looking at a few forms for community colleges and for, for state and UCs, which is a, a little, I'd say a little more difficult to do as logistically um, or practically nowadays, because it's it's all online and you have to make your logins and all of that. So it, oh, that's okay. become that's become a bit more um, conversational or like a bit briefer in presentation of just, you know, A3G requirements and what you need to get into college. And most of the youth, to be honest, year after year, like um, getting closer to present day, they, they know those things very well and even better than some of the people volunteering at the camp because they're hearing it, you know, all the time at their high schools. Um, so give credit to all the high schools around that are educating every single student, right, on those types of things. And as far as like being well received, um, I'd say the most feedback that we've had year to year um, are things that we've done that are about like college life and independent living, like while you're at college. So really hmm. the things that are not even necessarily related to the academics, like somewhat of how to keep up with, you know, your studies and how to get support on campus. And then that definitely segues into like living on your own and like making friends and sharing space, you know, and living together in the same home and like what that looks like and how to, um, all, all those, the social aspects of it really, that's been extremely popular, I'd say. And one thing that we do that I think has made it really helpful and it kind of exciting at times for the youth is that the mentors, which are definitely closer in age to the high schoolers, they're usually in college or like have just finished, you know, within a year or two, um, their bachelor's mm -hmm. degrees. And so um, there's a bit more of an easier connection just generationally. And we'll have things called mentor panels, usually one, two, or a few times throughout the week. That's kind of toward the end of the day where all the other kind of adults volunteering and putting the camp together will leave. And it'll just be the youth and those mentors, and they get to have kind of a um, Q&A panel on those types of things. And that stays totally private between them. So that gives them that, that kind of trust and confidence to talk more openly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a great idea. Yeah. Because they feel like these, these mentors here are closer in age, right? So they probably have a better idea of how I might be feeling about things if they're apprehensive or nervous or think yeah. they might not be able to do it. You know, those kind of, that's a great idea. It's really, that's a great aspect. Yeah. Getting back to our panels, we we do career panels, as you well know, because you've been on many of them and you've put them together for us. And you even <laughs> got to do one where we do career panels on family businesses, which are really important because many of these campers, families have businesses, they have dairies and they may have wine. Right. They do. And so, you know, when we're when we went to Fresno, we, we got to do the whole the whole uh, viticulture scene there. You know. And oh, then, that's great. So we try to geographically find people to come and talk about their business and what they do. And, and you know, that is, that's OK. I mean, taking over family business is pretty cool if you can do that. So we've, we mm -hmm. spent a lot of energy spending uh, time with that. And we've asked parents to come. You know, the kids don't seem to mind to have parents around for a workshop or two. And it's really more exciting. But this year, we did some very cool things at camp that Gary set up for us. 
because um, when you're in Santa Cruz, you're not like in the midst of a large Portuguese community. So when you're a little farther off, right. you have the beach and boardwalk, but you need people to come into um, that area. And Gary set up some very cool workshops. He was the director of curriculum this year. Gary, do you want to just tell him what we did this year at camp? Some of the things that you that the kids loved? Yeah, sure. The Some of the, the kind of highlights I remember um, and that some of the kids seemed to like a lot um, was kind of a mix of the academic and, and cultural. One thing being capoeira, that there, there is a Portuguese oh, hall here cool. and they do have festas, but yeah, it's, it's not as um, the community here is not as as active or visible as as other parts um, California, but Capoeira is extremely popular here, actually. And so we had them come and do a workshop, um, and they did a little bit of maculele also, which is kind of like a stick dance um, fight as well. That's sort of in the same realm as Capoeira, um, but mm-hmm. I feel like most people wouldn't know about that unless you you know, went to some capoeira groups or, you know, saw some, uh, their presentations and stuff. And so that was pretty exciting for, for the youth, I think. And they got a chance to, you know, sing the songs and, and everything. And then another, um, more academic thing that we did was we had someone from forgetting the, the official name of it now, but there's a lot of the redwoods around UC Santa Cruz are part of like a natural reserve system that's protected, and so we had like the the manager of you know the reserve that you see Santa Cruz overseas coming basically take us on a hike through parts of that and tell us about the actual like landscape in, uh, in layman's terms, but also it almost felt like you were in a class, like in a lab, um, listening to that person speak um, and mm-hmm. talking to the students that they could study that in college, and that's an actual like reasonable you know major to to go into and that's that's called environmental studies and sciences and and part of it looks like getting out in nature and like walking around and asking questions and so that seemed to be exciting to to some of the youth because i don't think they realized that that could be what college could look like or some classes at least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not just always in the classroom right yeah. you can get yeah. out yeah natural reserve it was it was fabulous they really yeah. enjoyed that those are, those are two that at least that come to mind that seem that give an example of the the kind of spectrum that we try and provide them with, you know, from cultural to academic. And field, field trip day is the big thing. So that was the day of our field trip. They did a, the walking tour of the reserve, and then they got to go to the Seymour Oceanography Discovery Center, and they had docents that took them through and and talked to them about the whales and the depths of the of the whole Monterey Bay and they got to do, and that's also a program and those are majors and, and upper grad programs at the university. And then they ended up at the boardwalk. So we've rented buses. We've done all sorts of kids over the, the last 25 years. We've rented buses. Kids have taken the train from Oakland to UC Davis where we, we pay for train uh, train tickets for kids to take the train. They've taken buses all the way down to UC Long, uh, to uh, Cal State Long Beach. So we took buses down there. We, wow. We've been all the way south, which, you know, on the East Coast, that's a pretty far distance to go. It took us, you know, over 10 hours to get there on the bus. So we've done that. And, and we've gone to, we try to do three types of, of colleges. We do private colleges like Stanford University and University of San Francisco. We do um, public colleges and universities, all the UC campuses, and we do Cal, California State University campuses. So it gives kids a feeling of different kinds of universities and right. what their you know majors and 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 their 
this is kind of what their their topics that they are. I mean, like teaching and stuff is, is still pretty popular with some of our kids and they're really interested in that. And it gives them an opportunity to see that you can go away to school and there's scholarships and things available. You don't have to commute all the time, like most right. of them. So it opens their eyes. So we try to open that up and take a look at that. It depends on where we go every year. Universities have gotten more expensive now, so it's, it costs more money for us to put camps together. We're a very small foundation. We try to break even. Our camp is only $500 for five days, which is- For amazing. five days, which includes room and board and meals, you know, right? It, it included the field trips, all the boardwalk tickets, everything, yes. Included- I mean, that's a heck of a deal. It's a heck, a heck of a deal. You know, they get t-shirts. <laughs> they, you know, we, we, we give them prizes and things. It's a heck of a deal. And kids don't come necessarily because it's less expensive. If there's more than one kid in the family, too, we, we have scholarships that they can apply for. And we help, you know, with, with family expenses that way, too. So it's we've tried our best to kind of be just kind of inc- very inclusive, very inclusive. Our camps are all right. interactive. We, we don't just have that many lectures anymore um, and just sometimes the panel discussions or, or career panels, but then they did interactive activities with them too. But we provide experiences always in group settings. So the 12 year olds are with the 18 year olds. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, Moda Portuguesa, it's family. Mm-hmm. Right. There, they help each other, they communicate and they do very, very well. Team building is a big aspect of camp. So that's so you, 12 to 18, is that the age range of the campers? Yes, usually it's middle school. Some of them, you know, go like sixth grade can be middle school already. So it's 12, mm-hmm. 17, 18. By then, they can come back. If they've been to camp a few times, they can come back as a junior mentor. We And that way they can kind of follow a mentor, a counselor around. We pay for 50% okay. of them because they really want to come back to camp. But they're getting, you know, they're ready to go to college. They already know where they're going usually, college. Right. So um, they come back and, and they're they're the ones that become our our mentors years later most of our mentors have been campers at our camp and and have you ever had kids come from out of state yes Gary really I don't remember or know if past camps it's ever happened um, yes, but this yes. camp we had one one um, camper from from Colorado Denver Colorado. <gasps> And oh, yeah, we're, so cool. we're all pretty shocked and surprised. <laughs> we're like, how, how did you hear about this camp? Like, why, why are you here? Yeah. Like, we love to be here and thank you. But like, um, yeah, and it just was his family, um, essentially. Part of it was kind of ties to trying to get in citizenship, but largely just trying to gain a connection and, and better, you know, um, understanding and experience of their cultural heritage, which was some generations back. And so mm-hmm. I think it was just looking on Facebook and Google and they came across it and, you know, signed up their son. So, and he had a great time. Yeah. Parents were moving to Portugal. He was England. He wanted to go jogging every morning at, at 4.35. And I, we said, sorry, we're not going to do that for you. Because um, <laughs> no. but he was going to be on the Benfica summer team uh, for teenagers in Portugal. His family was immigrating there, but they're Portuguese descent, the mother. And he was a very... Oh, wow. He like did the shamarita. He just fell in love with it. Couldn't wait to do it in the continent. We had to tell him, mm, you may not do it there. It's okay though. Yeah, I don't think they have that. That's so funny. Um, had, well, that's board, amazing. We've had board members whose kids live out of state. Kids come from Arizona. We've had them come to camp. So it's okay. you know, cousin comes to camp and they live in another state. So they come to camp also. So anybody 
it's, so it's not limited to just California students. So for those of you listening, if you're listening in you know, Massachusetts or Florida or Hawaii, if you can get to California, you can go to this camp, right? So uh, would highly encourage. And then who knows? I mean, let's, you know, big picture guys, like maybe in 10 years or so, you could be doing the camp in, you know, another state. Like that would be amazing, right? Well, what parents want, they'd like to have us go to to Portugal, like to the Azores and do a camp. You know, oh yeah oh that would be amazing but, you know we want we try to be inclusive so you know less kids would go but that could happen again we have to get those volunteers here to set that up but we do use portuguese teacher ambassadors that have come from the azores to our camp they come for the mm-hmm. they do three week workshops and they're now writing to us saying look at we will help set it up here we will do the, get the housing figured out we have the schools yeah and you guys just come on over so that may be something that could happen in the next 10 years we'll see so we are coming to the end of our podcast here. So let's talk a little bit about the future, right? So Gary, you're taking over. You had a great comeback year, you know, not having the camp for three years. Now we clearly have out-of-state students that are interested. We're talking about going to Portugal. Where, where do you see the camp going in the next, you know, two, three years? And then where would you like to see the camp in, you know, 10 to 15 years? Because I really, really hope it's still going because... Well, Aurelia will be 12 in two years, so she will definitely be going in two years, but, you know, would love for her to continue to to help out. Well, it's yeah. a lot. She came and watched you guys do all the folk dancing for us and everything when she was tiny, tiny at our camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Um, well, those are big questions, but definitely things. That, you know, <laughs> but I, I definitely, I'd say, I definitely am looking more towards the, the next, you know, two to three years always um because part of the struggle of, of camp even with me you know being uh, more able to kind of take over with the the coordination or you know directing in the camp the week of it, it can be a lot of work but we do pull it off the the committee and so the next two or three years i see it happening at um potentially you know more limited colleges like still trying to give a variety but probably two or three um, or more like three that we might um, cycle between out of part of just ease with having those relationships with them um, might be a limitation to see, but which allows sense. us to still have the camp, you know, as, as strong as it's uh, been in the past decades. And as far as like 10 to 15 years thinking of the future, I can definitely get grandiose about, about ideas like we were talking and I love to, but to, to be really frank, you know, like I, I want it to, I see it being still a camp and still something that, um, you know, generations down someone that their great, 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 great grandfather was Portuguese and, and they know quite little, you know, but um, maybe have some ties to whatever else in our communities are still around can come to this camp. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really what I for it you know i i do i do hope and think it would be awesome if we could do some that are out of state or even in, in portugal and I, I could see that happening but at the end of the day in terms of longevity just it's still running i think would be a huge mm-hmm. success and goal because i even maybe get out a lot out of camp each year you know right yeah. right um, maybe growing the number of students because i know you said you had you capped it at 50 this year but i mean could you ever env- envision 
like 200 students at the, or do you think that, I mean, I guess if you had enough volunteers and mentors, sure, right? But yeah, we, we um, would organize that differently. If we had, if we really have more than 70 students, what happens, campers, what happens then the junior high kids would have to be probably in a different, you know, area. Oh, that makes sense. We would mm-hmm. have two camps running kind of at the same time. And, and it's difficult. One of the reasons why we haven't done that is because it's very expensive now to go to the summer conference uh, universities, you know, and rent mm-hmm. to get a room for that many people is very, very expensive. So if we have up to like 65, 70, we can still afford to get a room that we can use every day because we're mm-hmm. a very small foundation. We could, if we had fundraisers and we could pay our staff, you know, big bucks, you know, of what they pay other, you know, other camps, we could probably set that up, but we probably wouldn't be able to rotate camp that often. Because Got it. every university is different and their prices are very, very different. So right. that is just keeping within that whole realm of what we have. And even though you know our camp, believe it or not, is simple in many ways. I mean, kids really want to play Sweka. Really want to play. Really <laughs> I love that. They really want to, yeah, they like that. They really want folk dancing. You know, they really like to dance with each other. And at this camp, the, a lot of the kids did not know each other. And at the end, it was like Uma Familia Portuguesa. They were all Aww. working together. And we were, you know, we always think, oh, my gosh, is this going to happen, you know, in five days? But it, it does. And so our goal, too, is to just do, you know, those simple things of just old time Portugal that they don't really mm-hmm. do Portugal anymore. And, you know, you know, young kids just don't do that. But like folk dancing and learning songs, they love to sing. We did Portuguese Azulejo art this year with just the, the shades of blue, very simple. They really mm-hmm. like that. We have drum beating drums, samba beating drum session, which from a very, very cool teacher that was very professional. That's also from Santa Cruz, the carry setup for two hours where every kid got to hit you know, being on drums and they had, you know, little um, plugs in their ears because it was pretty loud, but they, but that, <laughs> but that is part of the Portuguese diaspora. So it's not just the Azores, you know, or Madeira. It's like people from all over the world that speak Portu- Portuguese, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the sixth six language spoken in the world. I mean, we are everywhere and kids need to be aware of that. So you can go on to school and they do, they take Portuguese in college, but there's experiences they can have in jobs that are all over the world. So we're trying to just open their eyes to the whole diaspora picture too, make it a little bit broader. So, you know, our, that, you know of course, Gary is starting out. He can't do it by himself. We all work together. Right. You know, I'm, right. not, I'm not gonna leave him dragging out there in that field because it takes work because we're all at camp and we work very hard every single day, you know, just setting things up, getting things going, you know? It's, mm-hmm. It's just a lot of work, but the team is very good. They're very experienced. Our counselors are excellent. We have very good you know, counselors. And so we hope, you know, the counselors, after a while, you know, they finish college, they get married, they move on. So you need new ones. So it's a thing of yeah, yeah. having new people come in. So it just takes one or two more, you know, visions, more visionary people that really can look into the future because now it's a media future, right? So, you know, everything. Right online and you can do things that are a lot more exciting and with that we may be able to do more things uh, so we'll see but Gary and, there's a lot of potential and Gary's very experienced <laughs> we're all here for him and so what do you want our listeners uh to come away with and if you you know if they are interested in helping in some way what would be the best way for them to help or get involved even if they're far away like if they're not in California what would you suggest 
well, they come into California uh, for summer break or something, we'd love to have them come and do workshops. Or, or you know, okay. That. Or even if they have a great idea or plan or if something's working well in their community that we can just add to our camp to, to make it a stronger, you know, enriched camp, that would be excellent too. Because there's so, especially through Palcas, there's just so many avenues of people that we can connect with. And I know mm -hmm. that we didn't advertise much because again, we were just starting up again. You know, it was mm -hmm. even to find mentors and counselors. But um, I think with, with Palcas even, I think that will open a lot of avenues for us. You know, Gary, I think I think it'll be very exciting. There's some, yeah, yeah, and I think we'll probably be working more with you on that and to make our camp even stronger. And of course, bigger. of course, would love to. Yeah, and I, I would add if anyone's like listening and saying, "Oh, I didn't know that happened. I want my child to go," or I could do a, a workshop on something, or just to even know more about it. To go to the you know the Luzo American uh, website or Facebook page, they're both pretty easily findable just by searching you know Luzo American Education Foundation, Luzo American Financial. Uh, you'll, you'll find them pretty quickly on Facebook um, and just the website through Google search. And you could email the foundation directly. You could post or send a message through Facebook. Um, and we're the people that see that you know our board. And so if we see someone saying, "Hey, I heard about your camp. I'd love to help out." We would read that. We'd respond back. Um, we'd connect with people doing that. So those are all definite um, ways that people can can reach out and be a part of this too. And and on our Facebook page, there were we must have had 400, 500 pictures up just of this camp. So most of our other camps were we used to have on the website, but now we don't do that because there's a lot of privacy issues with kids and stuff. Right. You know, once right. we get once you know if there's one kid at camp that me that doesn't want a picture, parents don't want pictures taken, then we can't put them up. For anyone, right, right. So, so, but this year we 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 had an okay, and we have the pictures are just fabulous of what these kids are doing. It's just it's amazing. I'm I'm always amazed as you know I'm an elementary school teacher for years, and I'm always amazed at how smart kids are getting and how yeah work together. I mean, like our kids did they did they did some um they, they were doing some skits from Portuguese proverbs that were really old fashioned, and they made a model. Wow. And they used costumes. And Zeb Luigi da Silva, you know, was the was the professor that did that with us. And they were like amazing. It's just amazing the things that they're coming up with. We are our jaws just drop. I mean, our Portuguese kids are just so talented, and they're they're they leave camp being very very Portuguese. Very very. Portuguese. That is just so cool. Oh my god, I, it just like makes me want to cry. You guys, I just I love it so much, and I would. Yes, I mean, I've helped in the past. I'm happy to to help more, especially on behalf of Falcus. We will definitely include the website and the Facebook page in the show notes so people can find you easily. And yes, absolutely. If you're out there listening, if you have ideas for a workshop, you want to give a workshop, you have you work for a company that can donate some resources, whatever, however you can help, this is probably one of the most worthy causes, most worthy organizations I can think of. To, to support. So congratulations to both of you and all the committee and the board who puts on the camp, all the all the camp counselors, the mentors, the people who keep coming back to help. Uh, it really is just such a phenomenal little treasure that our community has that, you know, like you said, I know that a lot of people know about it and hopefully more people will know about it now after this podcast. And so, yeah, thank you both so much for taking the time to share the history and the progress and 
of most of all your time and effort and passion to make this camp happen. So thank you so much. Thank you, Angela. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners who joined us for another episode of To the Portuguese. If you liked this episode and you haven't subscribed, I don't know what you're waiting for. Please hit that subscribe button on Spotify or iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this episode with family and friends so that we have more people talking about all things Portuguese and that we can all support each other and support great initiatives and uh, organizations like the Luso American Summer Camp. And with that, we'll say até já and uh, continue the good work, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Até já. Thank you for listening to Tudo Português, a podcast production by Palcas, the only national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community. To learn more about Palcas, how to become a member, or to suggest a guest for our show, visit www.palcas.org or email us at palcas at palcas.org.